Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Arsenal's new youngster makes everyone feel very old. Brendan's on borrowed time. The stat of all stats in Syria, plus plenty more, has joining myself, Matt Froelicker, Dan Burke. Good afternoon. And Alex Mott. <laughs> Hello. We've, we're finally up and running with a podcast. Put them aside. <laughs> Technical difficulties yeah. have been experienced. We are here. We are live. <laughs> we've done it. We've made it. And we're going to dive headfirst into a lot of football. Um, Dan, we'll, we'll kick things off with Arsenal versus Brentford. A brilliant yep. win for the Gunners. Uh, comfortable, mm. let's say. Are they the real deal this season in terms of a title challenge? And who, who impressed you the most? In terms of a title challenge, I still think it's very early to say for Arsenal. I'd, I'd be interested to see how long they can keep up, keep this up, whether they can, you know, perform this well consistently throughout the season. You know, you saw them against Man United uh, a few weeks ago, and, and how they played pretty well there, and, and didn't get a result. I, I'd be interested to know if that's going to become a bit of a theme of the season for Arsenal in the kind of bigger games against the bigger teams. Whether they're they're going to come unstuck in some of those games, I think that'll be a true test of them. But you can't really argue with the season they've had so far. You know, top of the league after. At this, at this stage of the season, it is very good. Um, I, I earmarked this game against Brentford as a, a possible one where, you know, Arsenal of old probably would have slipped up there. You know, Arsenal of old did slip up there at the start of last season, lest we forget. And, and this was one where I thought, oh, you know, maybe uh, the, the sort of bad vibes that came out after the after the Man United game, if there were any, might have sort of lingered into this game. And, you know, then they've, they've lost two in the bounce and suddenly we're, we're looking at them in a very different light. But uh, yeah, it was it was sort of consummate ease for Arsenal against Brentford. You know, they, they took an early lead um, from uh, William Saliba scoring from a corner. Then they get the second goal and then they get the third goal to start the second half and they just controlled the game. You know, Ivan Tony barely had a sniff at goal. Brentford didn't really create an awful lot at all. Um, Arsenal just seemed very confident in themselves and, and played some very nice football. And I was really, really impressed with Granit Xhaka. I think he's a player who I've never been a particularly huge fan of. I know he's a, he's a talented player, but I think his kind of inability to, to properly screen his defence has been a bit of a problem in the past. But he's playing in a nice system at the moment with Thomas Partey alongside him that enables him to contribute a little bit more attacking-wise, actually. And it was a, it was a lovely pass for the, the second goal uh, right on Gabriel Jesus' head. I read before that he's, Jack has now created 14 chances in seven games this season, which is pretty good, which shows the kind of creative influence he's having on the team. And yeah, Gabriel Jesus was was really good. He took his goal really well. Um, there was a, a great strike from uh, Fabio Vieira for the the third goal mm. and um, I thought Saliba and, and Gabriel look very solid at the back as well so yeah they look good Arsenal whether they're going to be good enough to properly mount a title challenge is, uh, is like I say going to be interesting to see I love how Granite Zach is basically you know that saying you're either leave as a hero or stick around long enough to see yourself become a villain <laughs> Zach has done that and then gone all the way back again to hero He's literally like yeah. returned the favour and now he seems to be absolutely flying maybe there was something in that dropping of the captaincy um from Arteta. We saw it actually. I was reading the quote from Steven Gerrard, completely off topic, talking about Tyrone Mings, saying that's why he stripped him of the captaincy, just to focus on his own game. And now he's mm. looking pretty good. So yeah. may- maybe there is something to it. Um, of course, at the end of the game as well, we have to mention the fact that Ethan Nwaneri made his debut. I think that's how you pronounce it. I've been Googling it all morning um, <laughs> to, to try and get this one nailed on. 15 years old, 15 years and 181 days to be precise. Uh, yet to do his GCSEs, still in school. <laughs> I can honestly, 
I can only imagine how cool that kid is at school. Like, just just <laughs> yeah. rocking up the next day and be like, yeah, what of it? Teachers aren't going to say <laughs> Well, anything. no school no school today, Matt, obviously, because oh, it's yeah. back holiday, so it's going to have to wait a, wait a bit yeah, wait, wait, a, wait a little bit longer. <laughs> I don't think people were forgotten that their classmate made their Premier League debut just <laughs> yeah. a few hours later. Um, I found a really funny stat that was, uh, because he was born, oh, this, this pains me to say, 21st of March, 2007. <laughs> 2007. <laughs> he was born after Arsenal moved out of Highbury. Yeah. yeah he only knows an, an Emirates-based Arsenal, which... He's never even heard of Pascal Seagon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's just a mythical creature like him and Oleg Lushny. <laughs> yeah. <It's just> a, <laughs> he, he doesn't know. But what I thought was quite interesting is I put together a quick quiz um, for you two. So it's basically a higher or lower. I'm going to give you something that happened around the time of his birth and you have to say whether or not right. it happened before or after he was born. All right, yeah, good okay, one. Okay, so tw- nice. 21st March 2007, he was born. Yeah. Um, before or after he was born, did Casino Royale come out? Daniel Craig's first Bond Ooh, film. I, I think before. I think that was like 2006, maybe. So you think he was born after the film came out? Sorry, yeah, he was born after the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Casino Royale was before. What do you think, Dan? I'll say after then. I'll say he was born after it came out. You're both correct. You are both correct. <laughs> November 2006, Casino Royale came out which is about five nice. months beforehand. Uh, what about the <laughs> iPhone, the first ever iPhone? Ooh. Ooh. When would that have been? Go on, Dan. You can go I'll first. say he was born before that came out. No, af- no, after he was born after it came out. I get confused <laughs> yeah. about this now as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it must have been, that must have come out before 2007, right? Yeah, that, when was that? Like 2004, maybe? So yeah, he was born after, I think. You're actually wrong. He was born before. It oh, was June twenty ninth, two thousand and seven. So three months after he was born, four months after he was born. Oh, <laughs> and finally, it's a good one. The first ever tweet, Ooh. which I believe was Twitter founder Jack Dorsey saying, "Starting up my Twitter" or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Something very, very generic. Very wasn't benign. that like? Wasn't Twitter like two thousand nine or something? So yeah, I was. I was going to say two thousand and ten. Yeah, yeah, I'll so say he, he was already yeah. born when the first tweet was made. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. not. Oh, this honestly oh. stunned me. And uh, weirdly enough, it was to the day, twenty-first of March, two thousand and six. Uh. <laughs> so exactly one year before he was born, the first ever tweet was sent, and that is I was still just, on. I was still on MySpace in them days. I didn't even know Twitter <laughs> <Yeah>. existed. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. I genuinely think MySpace probably up until about two thousand eight nine, I had it still going. <laughs> I would not have thought thought Twitter. I guess if you were on Twitter at that day. Um, there probably wasn't many other people on there, so it would have been quite boring. That's anyway, the age of Twitter, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll move on from Arsenal beating Brentford into the Spurs against Leicester game. 6-2 for Spurs. Uh, Dan, I know you're chomping at the bit to get on about Brendan Rodgers <laughs> yeah. and get the pedometer out. Uh, we'll start, though, Alex, with Young Min San, who bagged a hat-trick from the bench. Was this an immediate reaction to him being dropped or just a coincidence that he happened to shoot three times and score three times? Uh, <laughs> Um, I think it can be a bit of both, can't it? I think. I, I mean, I I think Conte was right to drop him. He he hadn't been in great form and clearly just looked a bit exhausted at the start of the season. But um, yeah, it was sort of you, you, in these sort of situations, you normally say like, oh, you just need like one to come off his ass or you know off his mm. shin or whatever. But yeah, the first the first two goals were absolutely exceptional. I don't know. Um, yeah. That hadn't been him at the start of the season, but yeah, like I say, I think he was right to be dropped. But he's yeah, it's great to see him back in form. He's too good a player not to yeah, not to get back on on the golf scoring horse, as it were. And yeah, I was I'm still a bit confused by Spurs. Really, maybe you could tell me a bit more, man, as a Spurs fan. But I just I can't 
don't think they've even played that well yet this season and yet somehow still third. They score six in this game and yet still didn't really look that convincing. I think they're they're probably one of the most confusing teams in Europe at the moment. I, mean, I, 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 I saw know, a great stat what. about it and it was something like Spurs are one of the teams who get into the opposition box the lowest Yet somehow oh, okay. still win games. Yeah, yeah. The the I think it was touches in opposition box, or it might have even been touches in the opposition third. Spurs are one of the worst teams at getting into goal scoring positions. Yet somehow still managed oh, wow. to score goals. <laughs> so yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought they, they that's I thought they looked much better in the second half when Basuma came on. I think that's probably something that that you know playing a midfield three rather than a midfield two is something that Spurs fans have been crying out for for a little while. And yeah, I think. I think they looked much more solid in the second half when Basuma came on. But yeah, yeah, like I say, it's a strange one for them at the moment. They're yeah, third in the table and yet still haven't looked um, totally convincing in, uh, for my eyes. I think the three five twos are returned to sort of peak into Milan Conte because that's what it yeah. was. It was a, th- a pack three man midfield and you left you left the partnership of Martinez and Dzeko up front to do what they do best. And I think when Basuma comes on, you sacrifice... Um, one of the attacking three to just leave Kane and yeah. a partner up front, whether it's for Charleston yeah. or Son. And it looks a little bit better. Um, I did actually mention earlier, we were, t- I was discussing all the, all the day's topics with, uh, with everyone in the newsroom. And I, I feel bad for Danny Ward. <laughs> the yeah. but like, yeah. I know it was a bad performance. As some of the pelters he was getting online, I was like, God, this is, this is crushing. I mean, Casper Schmeichel was such a brilliant servant to Leicester. Leaves, Danny Wall gets the number one spot. And what are we, seven games in? He's conceded 22 goals. <laughs> it's the it's most, like, isn't it? The most ever that any team has conceded after seven matches in the Premier League. Is that it, really? Oh, yeah. no. Oh, and, Bo- and Bournemouth lost 9-0 and they've conceded three fewer than last of the season, <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, it's just getting worse. All right, let's move on. Let's deflect away from Danny Ward to his manager. Because, <laughs> Dan, the, the fraudometer has been showing signs of exploding. How long yeah. left are you giving the Leicester City manager? This, this smoke coming out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm surprised he's not been sacked already, actually. I thought it might have happened on Sunday. Um, I thought it might have happened today. It makes you wonder whether they are going to give him a bit more time. Um, I think they've got Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth after the international break. Yeah. So a couple of chances there for them to get some points on the board. I mean... It's it's really, really poor. I mean, you saw the game before um, this one. I can't remember who they played now, but uh, they were really poor in that one. Um, you know, Brighton, Brighton, that was it. Yeah, Brighton. yeah. And you can see yeah, the players yeah. sort of arguing with each other on the pitch and um, really not good at all. It's not a good sign at all. And, you know, the Danny Ward thing, I feel sorry for him as well, but I just don't think he's good enough to be a number one goalkeeper at a, a Premier League club, probably. You know, a Premier League club of no. with Leicester's ambitions anyway. Um, I think they've they've dropped a ball by not replacing him, really. Um, I don't think he could have done an awful lot about the goals that they conceded, but, you know, it's been a long-standing issue with, with Leicester that they, they can't defend set pieces. The first two goals in this game come from set pieces. I thought that uh, that Wout phase, I think this was his, his debut, I thought I thought he looked okay at times and I thought Leicester mm. were possibly the best, the, be- the better of the two teams in the first half. You know, get it back to 2-2 right on half-time. And yeah, there's, there's some quality players in there, but they're just not performing well at the moment. I mean, I think indeed uh, he's having a really, really bad season. I think he's uh, he's struggling, you know, with uh, he had an injury. I think he's struggling to refine his form, but he's just not screening the defense. You know, they're just too easily easy to bypass. Um, you know, Tielemans, I think, wanted to leave this summer. He's not playing particularly well. Uh, he did get on the score sheet here, of course, but yeah, I just um, 
I just don't really see the answer to Leicester other than sacking the manager, really. I think it was pretty evident last season that Rodgers had kind of taken Leicester as far as he could and it's definitely the case now. And yeah, I'm really surprised that he's... Uh, he's I mean, I don't know who they would replace him with. That's the, that's yeah, that's, the problem yeah, that's that they the have, thing, but yeah. I, I think a change has got to, got to be made there. Well, he, I think the only thing that's really keeping him in the job at the moment is is the payout that they have to give yeah. him if they sacked him. And obviously the money's a bit tight, Leicester, isn't it? I read this morning that it's somewhere between 10 and 12 million pounds, the payout they'd have to pay him. So, yeah, I think that's probably um, Biden giving, giving him a little bit more time than he yeah. usually would have. But yeah, they... And- like He's a bit of a victim of his own success as well. I think, you know, the f- yeah, for a couple of years, yeah. they, they really overperformed. Last year was probably about par for them. And this year, they're really, really underperforming. But, you know, one point from the first seven games with with the players they've got, you know, with a team like, you know, with players like Harvey Barnes and James Madison, like, you, you have to be doing better. Yeah, he but, also said after the game something about... Uh, there is a decision to be made. It sounds like he's almost goading the chairman into it. <laughs> sort of saying, go on then, do it. Do it, give me the money. Yeah. I don't quite understand. It, it, it seems like some of the players have given up. He might have as, uh, of as well. Um, there's also this like cliche, isn't there, that you fire someone at the beginning of an international break. So they come in and they've got 10 to 12 days to work mm. with the players yeah. um, before, before you said the Forest game. Probably would make sense. I'd be surprised... If they were going to do it at any point, it would make sense to do it now. Yeah. Um, I think so. It's a little bit odd. And also, I was I was watching this with a Leicester mate of mine, and we were discussing Tillemans, and there has to be something about him that puts big clubs off. Because he pretty much said that he was open to move. Um, I mm. think Leicester were pretty clear that they would take some money for him before losing him on a free He's been talked about a lot. Like it's obvious that he's a player with some good quality. I just, I don't know what it is. What is the one thing where all the clubs are in agreement? Yeah, we're not going to sign him. Does he just not improve any of the top sixes midfield? Or is it, from what I've heard, maybe a case of physicality or lacking the kind of the box-to-box action that people need? I don't know. I think, I, I mean, I personally think he'd improve most top six midfields, to be honest. I think... You could definitely see him fitting in at Arsenal. Maybe maybe they would have gone for him this summer if they didn't get Vieira. I think he'd improve Tottenham's infield. I think he'd maybe not Man United's now that they've got Ericsson and uh, and Casemiro. But um yeah, I could I don't know why he hasn't left to be honest at the moment. Yeah, I mean, like you say, maybe there is something behind the scenes that we don't know. But yeah, that's yeah, I don't know. I think he's an excellent player. I was a big fan of him when he first came. Was it did he come on loan at first and then I think he, he did. spent a bit of time on loan and then yeah, joined after the season. Yeah, so he was good that first half of that, that second half of that season. Then I think he was good the following season when they signed him permanently. Since then, I've not seen a great deal from him. I think I think you can watch Leicester and not really notice he's playing, and I think that's a bit of a bad sign, really. Um, he, he sort of does he doesn't excel in sort of any aspect. He's not you know a big goal scorer. He's not a big chance creator. He's not that defensive. You know, he's probably a bit more defensive than sort of Dewsbury Hall or or someone like that. But I, I don't I don't think he's an amazing player. Really, I think he's just sort of average. <laughs> A, a damning verdict on him. Then. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get the Fordometer at him next. <laughs> Rogers. Uh, we'll move on though to actually talking about their next opponents, Nottingham Forest, who were one goal up and then threw it away in the space of, I believe, seven minutes against Fulham. Uh, that saw yeah. them pick up all three points. Alex, is this finally the season that Fulham get it right and manage to stay up for <laughs> one more year at least? Yeah, I, I think they've um, they've learned their mistakes, haven't they, from last time when I mean. 
when they did a Forest and yeah. bought, they bought however many new players. Obviously, Forest haven't learned that, that lesson from Fulham a few years ago. But um, yeah, I, I, I like Marcus Silva. I think he was sort of unlucky in the few previous jobs that he had. He's clearly a good manager. He's, he's clearly a good training ground manager. You know, you watch Fulham and you know exactly how they're going to play. And I, they bought well this summer. But I think Bert Leno, although it didn't really work out for him in the end at Arsenal, I still think he's a really good goalkeeper. Palinha looks looks really what good. What a goal, by the way. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Great goal. Yeah, really, really good goal. And you could just, uh, maybe this says more about Forrest than it does Fulham, but I was covering this game on Friday for the for the app. And um, you could just tell as soon as Fulham scored that first goal that they were going to get a second and then a third. It was just a real, like, the momentum in the game just shifted massively. And, yeah, they they just look good all over the picture, you know. Like, you see off at centre-back. Harrison Reed's playing really well at the moment. Um, I think I thought Willian even looked pretty good at all, which <laughs> I haven't said that about him for a while. And then obviously Mitrovic is such a huge presence up front as well. So, yeah, that was a really good atmosphere at the city ground and Fulham sort of overrode that. And yeah, they, they look really good. I, at the start of the season, I definitely thought they were going to go down. But yeah, now I, yeah, I think they will stay up. They look, they look good. You know, a transfer that I completely missed this summer was uh, Fulham signing Carlos Vinicius. When did that happen? Yes, yeah, that, that happened about two days before the win- yeah. uh, window shot. I, I, I saw yeah, him come yeah, off the yeah, bench yeah. with that. I was like, hang on. I think I only noticed it because his first game was against Spurs. And obviously he was on loan at Spurs yeah, a couple yeah, of years yeah. back. And I, said, I was thinking, hold on. He's definitely, <laughs> we haven't re-signed him. So I remember his goal against Marine in the FA Cup from like one yard out and he <laughs> yeah, smashed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got a hat-trick that game. Yeah, I think he might have done, yeah. I think he's got a first-half hat-trick. A, th- a throwback to simpler times. Uh, anyway, we'll move on to the, uh, our final our final game uh, we're discussing in the Premier League. And that's something that Dan took a keen interest in. Um, I have a, a question for you, Dan. How many stud marks do we think Jack Grealish has on his... After that challenge from Collins, well, how many studs are on a boot? Because uh, yeah. all of them, I would say, yeah, and then some. Yeah. I think he's still Reckless. got a stud probably lodged in him, like you know, when people get a bullet lodged in him in action films and stuff. Something like that. Yeah. I it mean, that has to be the brutal. most uh, the most complained about Stonewall red card I think I've ever seen. Like he couldn't believe <laughs> yeah, it, could he, that Collins that he'd been sent off? And it's like, what? What we, did you think would happen when you went for the ball like that, like and caught a lad in the ribs? Like it's so. Such an obvious red card to me, and um, bit of a shame because he's quite a good player, that Collins yeah. as well. And uh, but uh, yeah, I think it killed it killed any chance that Wolves had of uh, of getting back into the game there. Really, that that red card. But yeah, good good performance from City, a lot better than they were against Dortmund last week. And it was particularly good to see Grealish score after fifty five seconds because there's a bit of a debate uh, that's kind of splitting the City fan base at the moment about Grealish. About you know, some people are saying, oh, you know, he's not chipping in with a lot of goals and assists, but he's like good at keeping the ball you know he rarely loses the ball he's good at that sort of the, the sort of pass before the assist he's good at control of the tempo and I think all those things are true and I think Guardiola appreciates that from him a lot but you know the the other half of the fan base are sort of saying well he costs 100 million you want to see a lot more goals a lot more assists from him and I think Grealish himself is quite quite open about that that he wants to score more goals and um, that this was his first one of the season so uh, hopefully it'll be uh, the first of many No it was great I I I would say that him and Foden, maybe it's just my my take on it, because I was looking at the England team the other day. Him and Foden, do they work in the same team, do you think? Or is it maybe a case of one or the other? It depends, really, because in this game, you saw Foden on the right, cutting in onto his left foot, which he's actually quite good at that. But I personally prefer him over on the left, you know, using his left foot and going around the outside and 
and playing like a genuine winger. Now, Pep has never played uh, Grealish on the right, and I can't imagine he would do so. But to me, maybe that would make more sense, get Grealish on his, his stronger foot so he can cross the ball into uh, the goal bot in the middle who, uh, you know, will just <laughs> get on the end of it and... Uh, <laughs> And and score more often than not. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's... I mean, there was some talk at one point about maybe playing Grealish as a central midfielder alongside De Bruyne as well, but that's never happened either. He's only ever played off the left and, you know, coming in, cutting onto his right foot, he could be quite predictable. And I don't think him and Cancelo work too well together, both on the left-hand side, because they both wanted to come inside onto the, onto the right feet. But, you know, I think this is probably Grealish's best performance of the season. So hopefully he'll, he'll kick on a bit now. I have to say, it was quite funny watching the second and third goal with De Bruyne. It's literally like that route of, of going uh, around the player, that overlapping run and yeah. cross is like marked out for him on the pitch. It's like Pep's gone <laughs> yeah. out with a little pen before the game and gone, this is the run. Just yeah. around the outside, it's like identical <laughs> crosses. It, it, I know some people think it's boring that there's a sort of systematic way of playing for Manchester City like they just it's repetition it's the same thing over and over again but when it actually comes off I, I marvel at it yeah. I think it's sterile kind of cool. sterile industrialization was what Miguel Delaney <laughs> described it as get that <laughs> on a t-shirt Christ, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you'll never see you'll that you'll never see that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah De Bruyne as well he's now got more Premier League assists than Steven Gerrard got in the whole of his career and he's done it in like 200 and odd fewer games than Gerard. I mean, you didn't really associate Gerard with assists so much, did you? He was more of a goal yeah, scorer, I guess. Well. But yeah, De Bruyne is just unreal. And, and if, if you get him in those positions, he'll put good balls in and we've uh, we've got someone in there who can, who can really finish him off now. We're going to put that stat to uh, to Joel when he's back on the podcast, see what he has <laughs> to say about the Gerard De Bruyne debate. Uh, we'll move away actually from England now though. And Alex, you wanted to talk about a rather interesting game in the Eredivisie this weekend. Uh, PSV, managed by Ruud van Nistelrooy, by the way. Very, very good side yeah, at the minute. Yeah. Um, being final 4-3, the obvious point, the obvious starting point is the performance of Cody Gakpo with a goal and three assists. Is this the new sort of massive, great breakout from Dutch football or is he just in a bit of a purple patch? No, I do. Yeah, I do think he's going to be the next next big breakout star from the Dutch national team, to be honest. There was obviously links with um, Manchester United in the summer, which didn't happen in the end. But you can definitely see why... Ten Hag wants him because he was, yeah, he was absolutely sensational in this game. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about it because it was, it was just a really good game of football. <laughs> Feyenoord, uh, they were top um, and been unbeaten so far this season. Um, and yeah, PSV, it was two-two at halftime, and then three-three, and then with, yeah, I think it was about four minutes to go. Gakpo assisted um, a beast bite, um for the winner, and yeah, it was just. Absolutely hammering it down. The crowd were loving it. It was just a proper game of football. Is it me? This is, uh, but did I see Jared Braithwaite playing for PSV? Yes, he scored. Yeah, he scored the opener. Where, yeah. where did that happen? Yeah, it was a good. I, 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 yeah, that passed me by as well, actually. But yeah, it was a good goal, actually. It, like, corner came in from the left hand side and he sort of got in front of his man and, like, flicked it with the outside of his right foot into, into the net. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, proper game of football. It was great. And there was a few fights and oh, it was just, yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that we should maybe start I mean obviously Ajax always get a lot of the credit for producing brilliant youngsters in the Dutch team but PSV as well um, Stephen Bergwijn came from there you've also got Memphis Depay as well and now Cody Gakpo 
There's probably loads more that make me sound like I really don't know what I'm talking about. But there are some, <laughs> some stars coming out of PSV, which I think definitely need to be need to be noticed. There's one star they've brought in, though. Um, that was Xavi Simmons as well. He's playing as a, as a, a false nine, I believe, in, in this sort of lineup. Uh, is it a little bit odd, I would say, to see a player with so much hype, obviously at Barcelona and then at PSG, to actually be that good? Because, unfortunately, normally yeah. it doesn't really yeah, work I th- out. I mean... Yeah, I think he was. It was sort of a bit unlucky, really, that because yeah, he was obviously highly touted at Barcelona, and then I don't know, maybe mm. his agent was in his ear or whatever to get a move and you know try and try and make it at PSG. That was obviously the wrong move to make. But yeah, he's gone to PSV and he's um, yeah, he's looking good. He's obviously very noticeable with that hair, so <laughs> it stands out a little bit. But um, yeah, no, he was he's been excellent so far this season. So. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a, player, a good player to watch. I read, um, I read about Paris Saint-Germain negotiating what is quite possibly the best buyback clause ever for Xavi Simon. Oh, apparently, what, which is next summer, so summer twenty twenty three. Obviously, it's a bit of a risk, but he's had an unbelievably good start to the season. Next summer, they can buy him back for just four million euros. Really? Oh, wow! wow. <laughs> oh, really? I don't know how they've negotiated yeah, this. I guess they could say, like, you know, this would be quite a lot if they wanted to do it for a for a player without much experience, but his trajectory at the minute, right? You have a stunning season in the Eredivisie and your team finished first or maybe second. We've seen it before with other players. You know, you're talking 40, 50 million at least. So yeah, the fact yeah. that they've negotiated yeah, that's, four that's million, a good bit of business. Unbelievable. Uh, actually, going back to Gakpo very quickly though, there was Manchester United links and there were Leeds United links as well. Um, they offered over 40 million euros for him, apparently on the final day of the transfer window, more than Southampton. Uh, no offence to them, but do we expect a bigger club to come in for him next year, Dan, like the Manchester United's or or someone of that ilk, let's say. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there was there was a rumour that he'd agreed personal terms with United at one point. Obviously, there's a bit of a uh, a richer seam of, of of Dutch players coming to United at the moment with um, with Ten Hag there. Yeah, that, that, that looks pretty nailed on to happen at one point. Um, what I've seen of him, he, look, he looks really promising. And there was also a story this weekend that uh, I think PSV were thinking about or maybe even went ahead and sacked the sporting director for not, Sort of agreeing yeah, a sale properly, it, yeah, no. because he, yeah, I think they accepted a bid on like transfer deadline day, and it, and in, and he turned it down. I think it was to Leeds. He turned it down and said um, mm. that he didn't have enough time to consider his future properly. So, and I think I think now they're saying, well, we should have probably just cashed in on him because he's gonna he's gonna leave inevitably. So we might as well have done it and uh, done it earlier in the window, and we could have replaced him properly. So, not great planning on their part, but yeah, I think uh, you know another good half season at PSV, then he might have uh, some bigger clubs knocking on the door for him in January. Yeah, I was, he had a, I believe his contract was until 2026. So mm. they've still got time to, you know, charge a sizable fee for him. Uh, and just watching him play, he really, he's a little bit gangly sometimes, but he, he's quite a big guy. I would always six foot two, six foot three. Like, yeah. He's got some serious athleticism on him. He's an unbelievably good finisher. Uh, 12 goals last year, I believe, in, in the Eredivisie. And if he smashes out this season, which he probably will do, considering I think he's already scored six or seven, um, yeah, it'd be a massive move for him. And again, no disrespect to Leeds or Southampton. I just think, you know, if United or a bigger team... Yeah, his finishing that in the final game yeah. was excellent as well. Sort of yeah, exactly. There'd be, there'd be some serious money to, to think about for him and the club as well. Uh, moving on to Syria, and uh, we've got an unbelievable stat, which I'm sure has been doing the rounds on Twitter <laughs> and you've already heard already. But for the first time since 1955, February of 1955 to be precise, 
All four of AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus and Roma lost on the same match day. Um, I was looking for any omens or links that could be relevant to today's uh, game and not really because it was 67 years ago. But AC Milan, <laughs> AC Milan did go on to win Serie A that season. And if they did the same this year, it would be back-to-back Scudettos. Um, Alex... Serie A is throwing up many of the exciting title races in European football year after year. Is it because everyone is equally good or equally bad? <laughs> um, I, well, I personally think it's probably the second best league to watch after the Premier League in Europe. I think that that sort of cliche that it's sort of defensive football is, you know, that's been long gone. Mm. I think it, last year it had the most goals per game, I think, um, out of all the top top uh, top leagues in Europe. So, yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, Napoli look excellent at the moment. Obviously, Atalanta had a bit of a wobble last season, but yeah, they, they look really good at the moment. They haven't lost the game. Udinese, they've really surprised me this season. They they be into 3-1 this weekend, and I think they beat Roma 4-0, was it, two weeks ago as well? So yeah, they're, they're on the rise. Lazio, despite their... Um, Despite their poor performance in the Europa League in, in midweek, they've they've looked really good. And then Milan, Roma, Inter, they're all they're all having their ups and downs, but they've all they've all got a lot of quality in their in their squads. So yeah, it's a really really exciting league. And yeah, you c- couldn't really call it right now, could you? About where the where the Scudetto is going to go? <laughs> uh, maybe t- maybe towards Napoli. This is I, I know it's obvious to yeah, say when they, they're top, but they're looking. I'd love it to be Napoli. Good. I would love yeah. it to be Napoli. Yeah, they do. I watched, um, I was covering the game against Rangers um, in the Champions League in midweek last week and um, I thought they were excellent. I thought they were really, really good. They weren't over overawed by that, by that eyebrow atmosphere. The second half, they just, they had Rangers on strings. Yeah, they, they've looked really, really good this season. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, but the Georgian <laughs> lad on the, on the wing yeah. is, uh, is, is very good. And Simeone is playing well up front. So, yeah, they're, um, yeah, they look really good this season. We need to give him a nickname. Cavara Donna, that's the nickname that we're <laughs> going for over there, isn't it? So we'll, yeah. we'll adopt that one as well. That's brilliant. Cavara Donna. <laughs> wow. Absolutely love it. Yeah, no, I'd, it's thoroughly interesting to watch. And there's a bit of like, um, Football fans seem to have a sadistic side for when a big team falls. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking, if you love it when a big name doesn't do quite as well as they should do, get involved in Syria. Start watching, start drinking it all in because Juventus are in eighth <laughs> and things are going. We discussed it last yeah. week, actually. Things aren't looking so great for Max Allegri. So losing I'm one surprised he's not been sacked, not actually. Yeah. 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 And that's the same thing. This is the same Especially thing as Brendan Rodgers. Both of them are saying, they're texting mm. each other saying, hold out, we'll make off for millions here. <laughs> 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 there was um the, i think the, i think juventus came out and said that allegri is very much part of the project and you know they gave him a four-year plan because of it uh four-year contract even at the at the start of the previous season so last summer um but yeah you gotta think no disrespect to monza they picked up their first ever Serie A win but if they're losing if they're losing games like that well, so one win in five not ideal let's just mm. put it that way not mm-hmm. ideal um and in league are finally there was, this feels like a very stat-heavy episode, the fastest ever red card <laughs> from the start of a game. Um, Jean-Claire Tadiba, once of Barcelona, once of Schalke, was sent off after nine seconds. Uh, unbelievably. Was it a little bit harsh, Dad? Basically, the opposition ran through and he clipped one of their heels. Last man, red yeah. card. 
I thought he was ridiculously harsh. I didn't even think he was the last man necessarily. Yeah, it wasn't at I all. There was, a couple, there was a couple of other players there who could have caught the guy. Like, they might not have done, but it seemed to me very much like a referee determined to be the sort of centre of attention very early in a game and go, I'll tell you what would really make some headlines if I sent him off here. Go on, I'll do it then. <laughs> like, I don't know. It seemed ridiculous to me. Um, did you see that other one that was going around over the weekend in uh, in Turkey? Uh, Japanese player, um, Shoya Nakajima. Oh, yeah, he came off the uh, bench. Yeah. Antalya Spore made his debut and they showed his, his mum, I guess it was his mum and his sister in the crowd, like clapping him, coming on the pitch. And then I think he was on for about 25 seconds and he got sent off. Again, I thought it was a very harsh red card. I thought it was probably a, a yellow, um, bit of a reckless challenge, but nothing too crazy. So, yeah, I think referees have been on one this weekend. <laughs> That was I thought it just thought it was extremely harsh, especially at the beginning of the game to just whip out the red. Yeah. Oh my word. Oh my god. I feel I feel for him. I feel for the thought of someone spending all week leading up to the game. You get there, you warm up forty five minute to an hour, warm up, dressing room tactics, everything, and nine seconds worth of energy expended. And that's it. <laughs> T- take a seat, red card. Is Absolute it, nightmare. Is it the fastest one ever? Well, I was looking at this, and I think it was the fastest red card in play. The reason I say in play is because there was uh, Keith Gillespie when he was playing at Sheffield United, who who, who got substituted on. And then from the moment he came on the pitch, the ball didn't actually go into play. There was a bit of argy-bargy at a throw-in, and I think he elbowed someone and got a red card. (laughs) So... (laughs) There was there was another That's guy impressive. there was another guy in England who did it as well I think for Derby or someone maybe a bit lower down um, so technically the ball was never in play so I think because there was actually nine seconds of play then technically it does make it the uh, the fastest red card and obviously it was from the beginning of the match where the other ones were just substitutes yeah. did you see the um, Hermoso red card in the Madrid Derby as well I thought that, that was, really was harsh. harsh. It was a second oh yellow, God, but yeah. it was like he didn't like he just sort of pushed him like defenders, you know, players do to defenders at, at a corner, and there was nothing uh, really in it at all. And he but, his goal was pretty funny as well. It just like hit him on the shoulder and went <laughs> in when he tried to head it. It was just completely botched header. But but the the VAR can't be used right because technically the ref gave a yellow card. It was just a second yellow card. Yeah, I guess I guess not. Yeah, yeah, it has to go off. What I, I I see this so much at corner kicks these days. Like every single time someone runs into someone else, you just go down. You just think, oh, maybe the referee seen something. <laughs> maybe I'll get a red. The, the same thing happened yeah. in um, the Barcelona game. Barcelona won three nil at the at the weekend, and I think Fran Kessier was actually a little bit lucky to get away with a red card after an elbow um, when going for the ball. Got booked, and then every time he touched another player from Elche, they were going down, just trying to get him a second <laughs> yellow. Like, I guess they were just sort of thought. Well, you know what? If we go down enough, maybe at least one of them is going to stick and get us. <laughs> yeah. Where's the honesty gone in football? It's a mess, isn't it? It's <laughs> a mess. <laughs> Can't even trust the referees these days. Absolutely awful. Anyway, that is all from us for today. Um, you can tweet us, of course, with any other nonsense that you see over the footballing weekend. You've got myself at Matt underscore Froelich. You can also get us at One Football at Football Dan and Alex's uh, at Alex J Mott. Alex. But yeah, don't tweet. <laughs> You and Joel always say this. So this makes me want to get people to tweet you more. Um, of course, you can also give any other questions, suggestions, and feedback you may have to our email. The address is podcast at onefootball.com. Uh, that's all for Monday. We will be back Thursday, Dan. Yep. Who knows I what believe. we're going to talk about yet, but we'll... Uh... Who knows? It's an international <laughs> we'll break. Yeah. I actually will just say, I think they're quite tasty for England. Is it Italy and Germany? Yeah. It is, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. better than, you know, 
a, a less interesting fixture, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll find out. That's half the fun. We'll see you guys um, on Thursday. Thanks to my guests as always, and uh, thanks for listening. I never-